And amen. Welcome to the Recovery House of Worship. My name is Pastor Edwin Colon. I'm so grateful to be your pastor. Um, we've been in a series. We've been in a series called Ghost. And it's about the Holy Spirit. Um, when you were a kid, did you ever play the game with like a flower? And you said, she loves me. She loves me not. She loves me. She lo- Maybe he loves me, right? Did you ever do that? Yeah, sure. And it was the most scientific way your little mind could think of, of being assured of the affection of someone that you really longed for. I think all of us, all of us, want nothing more than to be loved. And that if we're deeply loved, we can go through the dark things of life. But the question then comes up, are we truly and deeply loved? And that's where the insecurities come in. You know, I don't think that's any different for us Christians. For those of us who are walking in Christ, and I know that not everyone here is a Christian. I know that some of you, by the way, we're so grateful for you. I know that some of you that are here want nothing to do with Christ. The only reason that you're here is because your mom invited you, your friend invited you, the girl from the office who was real pretty, and you figured if you came here, then maybe she would go where you wanted to go. And so, like, that's your plan, and that's cool. I'm not angry at you. I'm glad you're here. And there are others of you who are here who you're saying, you know what, I'm just sort of kicking the Christian tires. And, and, and you're not sure yet, and, and, and I understand, and I'm grateful that you're here. But all of us get to that point where we wonder about God. He loves me. He loves me not. He loves me. He loves me not. I think part of the reason is because we think that relationship with Christ is due to our performance, our good works, our level of commitment to God. And what we don't recognize is that it, every bit of our relationship with Christ is due to his performance, is due to his righteous record, is due to his love and his pursuit. And so, as a Christian, when, let me ask you something. Somebody walks in here with a gun like they just did with Emmanuel Church. And they kill me and they kill nine other people here. Can you walk around going, God loves me. God is with me. God is, loves the recovery house of worship. God is with the recovery house of worship. Even in the midst of a tragedy like that. The reason that you might not be able to is because you're putting, you're putting your trust in God in the wrong place. You're putting it, like many Christians do, in circumstances. And God is saying, no, 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 no. I put an assurance of my love in your heart. I place it there. But we go, how can we know? How can we know that Christ is in our heart? How can we know that we have true relationship with God? Well, as I said before, we're in this series called Ghost, and it's all about the Holy Spirit. That is the third person of the Trinity. If you don't like the word Trinity, we can use the biblical word of Godhead. He's a third person in the Godhead. It's Father, Son, Holy Spirit. He's a person, not an it. He's a person, not a force. He's a person, not an idea or a concept. He's a person. He, not it. And the Holy Spirit comes not only to rest and to draw us to be like Christ, 
the Holy Spirit not only comes to give us a longing and a desire for Jesus, the Holy Spirit also comes to remind us, you belong to me. You belong to me. And I'm telling you, in the dark nights of the soul, when everything seems to be going wrong, when tragedy strikes, what you and I need, when sickness starts taking its toll, you and I need to know, he loves me. There needs to be one petal on that flower. He loves me. And so I encourage you, I strongly urge you to be here, be present right now, focused, For the next few minutes, we're going to talk about the assurance that God gives. The assurance that God gives to broken people that he's with them and he's for them and that he loves them. But wait, there are some of us here who don't have that assurance. You don't know Christ. You, you, like we said before, you're kicking the Christian tires. And to you, we would say, buy the Christian car. Go all in. Trust Christ as your Savior, as your Lord. You go, what does He save me from? Well, there's so much. He saves you from your insecurity and He saves you from your fear. He saves you from your hate and He saves you from your bitterness. He saves you from your unforgiveness and He saves you from your low self-esteem. He saves you from hell in the afterlife and hell on earth. He saves. He saves. And He's for you. And so today, we're going to say, well, how can we know? How can we know that God really does love us? For those of us who are in Christ, if you're not in Christ, you don't have that assurance, and that's why we're inviting you into this spiritual journey. But how can we know that Christ truly loves us? I think that the answer is found in the text that we're going to be examining. Romans chapter 8 is... now. We're talking about the Word of God, so it's terrible to say this is the greatest chapter or anything like that. But I'm telling you, it's a big deal. If we're in a discipleship relationship for any period of time, I'm going to ask you to memorize Romans chapter 8. It is a powerful, powerful chapter. There is the, it's almost like the entire Bible in that one chapter, in that one nugget. And so what we're going to do, we would have to spend an entire year, and I'm not kidding, we would have to spend more or less 45 to 50 weeks if we were going to go through Romans every week, just just plowing through it, plowing through it. So I'm going to give you the big idea, the umbrella idea in the book of, uh, in in Romans chapter 8. There are two things that are going on. There's the presence of the Holy Spirit and there's the assurance that God gives. That's why chapter 8 opens up and says, uh, uh, therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit of life has set me free from the law of sin. And it's assurance. You're not condemned. You're not. And then it's also the Spirit of God, which is what we're going to read today. The Spirit of God is present and God assures. It's powerful. Now, the reason that you need to listen to this message is because there's going to come a time where you're not going to think that God is there. Maybe it's going to be because you're struggling with a sin that you don't want to do anymore, but you find yourself still doing. Going back to over and over again, almost against your will. 
Maybe it's going to be a time where it was a season of illness that has gone on for too long and the breakdown of the body continues further and further. Maybe, maybe, maybe it's the loss of a loved one. And can I just speak to you about that? Father's Day, like Mother's Day, is a bittersweet holiday. On Father's Day, we can, and this is emotional, because we can remember good fathers who were there for us, but that are no longer here. And this day, just when, as soon as I woke up, I received a text message from a person who wished me uh, a happy Father's Day, and I was reminded they lost their father this, this year in February. And so I called them up, and I prayed with them. And, but that's where you are. You're here. You had a great dad. You loved him. He wasn't perfect, but you loved him. And he's no longer here. And I want you to know that God is with you. God is with you in your mourning. God is with you in your pain. God is with you in your hurt. But there are others of you here who you're here and you're saying, my dad was rough. There was some, some horrible things that happened. And to you, I would say that your heavenly father will be your father even when your earthly father has quit the job. That your heavenly father is not a bigger version than your earthly father. Your heavenly father is a perfect version of your earthly father. If everything that your father had done was loving and for your good, if your father was present and helped you strength, be strengthened, if your father was every intention, every motivation, every idea was for your benefit, then he would be closer like your heavenly father. Well, I'm here to say that you can have relationship with the Heavenly Father by coming to Him through Christ Jesus. And so, in chapter 8, we see that God assures us that He loves us and that He's present with us in the Holy Spirit. Now, we go to verses 12 through 17, and we're going to answer this question. Can I be sure that God loves me? Can I be sure that God loves me? So we're going to read this together. We're going to read it in full voice. And I want you to just focus because this is, I'm telling you, we're reading gold here. We're reading gold. And so uh, we're gonna, I'm going to ask you to stand at the reading of God's word. We do that because we just, we're just amazed at God. And we want to remind our bodies that we're amazed at God. And so we're going to read His Word. Now, if you can't stand or, you know, you're new and you don't want to stand, it's cool. We love you. Stay seated. Um, but we, we just want to declare with our bodies, God, you are awesome. And your Word is better than my opinion. And so, Romans chapter 8, verses 12 through 17. Let's read it together. One, two, three. Therefore, brothers and sisters, we have an obligation, but it is not to the flesh to live according to it. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit 
you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. For those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. The Spirit you received does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the Spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship. And by Him we cry, Abba, Father! The Spirit Himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now, if we are children, then we are heirs. Heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. If indeed we share in His sufferings, in order that we may also share in His glory. This is God's Word. And God's people said, Amen. Amen. So, powerful guys, powerful. So, jump down to verse 16. Jump down to verse 16, and this is where we start. Verse 16 says, The Spirit Himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. So God has a testimony. God's testimony is your mind. Now, remember, I'm speaking to Christians. If you're not in Christ and you don't know Jesus kicking the tires, as I said before, you can, you, this is a great service for you to be in because you can say, you know what? I, I have a little bit more information about what it means to be a Christian and I can make a more intelligent decision about whether or not to follow Christ. But this message primarily is for those who are in Christ. But both of you can benefit. The Spirit Himself has a testimony. The Holy Spirit, and His testimony is your mind. I love you. Nothing can take you away from me. I am with you. I am for you. I am in you. That's His testimony. But you and I say, how can we know that? I mean, sometimes doubt arises in my mind. Sometimes I feel like God wants nothing to do with me. Sometimes it feels like God has left the building and, and I have no relationship with God. Don't you know my sin? There's such shame and guilt and grief. Don't you know what's happened to me? There's such victimization and pain and sorrow. Don't you know what I've experienced? We, we, we come back to God and we say, I don't know. I'm not sure. I don't know if you love me or that you're with me. Well, the Spirit Himself testifies. And we go, well, what's His testimony? How does the Spirit Himself testify? It's found in this passage. Three ways that the Spirit will testify. Three ways that the Spirit confesses you're His. Now, if these three ways don't exist, then you go, oh dear. There might be a problem here. Now, you could be coming to church for 50 years or five minutes. It doesn't matter. But you want to find out, really, if God's with you, in you, for you? We're going to go through a, a diagnostic. We're going to go through a, a, a list. Let's see if God is with us. So we see the first clue. Now, again, I'm telling you, I'm telling you, if I was to spend time, just think about this. Therefore, therefore is referring to what he just said in verses 11, 1 through 11. Brothers and sisters, brothers and sisters is the body of Christ. I could take you on days with every single word that's in this passage. So I'm going to do a 30,000 foot view because we just don't have that kind of time. 
So stick with me. Put your thinking caps on and let's go in to see if our Heavenly Father teaches us that He's with us and for us. Therefore, brothers and sisters, we have an obligation, but it is not to the flesh. Stop. That means when you come to Christ, you are obligated, you are no longer obligated to do those sinful acts that you did before you came to Christ. Remember how you, when, um, before you came to Christ and you had this sin and you said, oh, but I, I, I feel like I have no choice. I felt compelled. I have to do that thing. Whatever your thing is, whether it's overeating, overspending, um, or overworking, or anything else that you use to save yourself from the uncomfortability of being in your own skin. The Holy Spirit says, you're no longer a slave to that stuff. You don't have to. You go, you, I've been, you don't understand, I've been walking around with shame my whole life. Don't have to. Don't have to. You're not obligated to that anymore. You don't understand, Pastor. I've been walking around with a sense of condemnation. Don't have to. You don't have to condemn yourself anymore. The Holy Spirit is telling you, you're not obligated to that. But you don't understand what kind of a parent I was. You don't understand what kind of a kid I was. You don't understand what I've done before. You don't understand how prideful I am presently. I know. But you're no longer locked to that lifestyle anymore. But it is not to the flesh. We have an obligation, but it's not to the flesh to live according to the flesh or to it. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. Look at me. You will. You will. You go, but everybody dies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Listen to what the Bible is saying. Of course the Bible, uh, everyone's going to die. But listen to what the Bible is saying. There is a death that happens to marriages when husbands live according to the flesh. I don't know if you know. There's a death that happens to the single soul when they figure on they know better about relationships and sex than God. There's a death that happens to the soul. There's a death that happens in families when children go out from the authority of their parents and do their own will. It's a death. And he says, if you live according to your old ways, if you live according to the flesh, you will perish. You will die. And you will die before you die. You will be a walking corpse. Let me tell you something. The walking dead is not just a show. It describes a great many Christians. A great many people who are suffering under the tyranny of sin, not knowing that they've been freed by Christ. Oh, today, I want you to be free. I want you to be free. You don't have to live according to the flesh. You will die. But if, and everybody say these next three words, by the Spirit. Say that with me. By the Spirit. But if, say it again. By the Spirit. In other words, most of us have come to Christianity and we thought, you know what? We've got to do it ourselves. You know what? It's just about being a good person. In fact, I can't tell you how many conversations I've had where I've told people, come to Christ. And they go, yeah, but I've got to clean myself up on the outside. I've got to become a good person. You know, if I go to the church building, then the building will fall down. That's how much sin I have in my life, right? Listen to me. Listen to me. It's by the Spirit. It's by the Spirit. It's, you know what that's like? When we say we have to clean ourselves up, 
before we go to God, it's, it's an absurdity. It would be like saying, it would be like me being, me being overweight and saying, you know, I'm not going to join any gym until I start losing weight. Well, that's, that's bizarre. That's stupid. He goes, you know what? Until I lose weight, I am not going to go on any diet. Really? Then you ain't go, you're going to be fat the whole li- your whole life. You understand this, don't you? Well, wh- why? 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 It's absurd. Why would you try to go? Because it's by going to the gym that you're going to lose the weight. It's by being on the diet. It's the diet that loses the weight. It's the gym that loses the weight. Not you. But if by the Spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body. I love that it says the misdeeds of the body because it's your sin too. (laughs) You understand what I'm saying, right? Like we go, you know, if it would have mentioned a particular sin, we would be like, well, that's not my sin. No, 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 beloved. Misdeeds of your body. Well, what is that? Oh, it's anything that you do with your body that's not pleasing to God. Could be anything from, uh, man, from bulimia to heroin. From over-shopping to uh, overworking. It's the sins that we do in our body. But it's by the Spirit. The Spirit. So the first thing. All right, so there's three things. I'm going to tell you. All right, I'm going to tell you the three things, the three gauges. I should have done this earlier, but I'm a, not as good a preacher as I like to think. So let me give it to you now, okay? There's three things that the Spirit does to help you understand that you belong to Jesus. Three things. One is he kills. The other is he cries. And the other is that he confirms. What we're looking at now is kills. The Spirit kills the sin of the flesh. But if by the Spirit you put to death, there's the kills. If by the Spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. The first gauge that you get if you're a Christian or if you're not a Christian is, is, the, is there any sense of sin being killed in your body? No? Eesh. Got good news and bad news. Which one do you want to hear first? Right? The good news is, is that there's hope for you in Christ. The bad news is, presently, you are hopeless. There is a gauge. You mean, you, you act out on sin? And the Holy, there's no sense of the Holy Spirit going, dude, what are you doing? Girl, what you doing? There's no sense of that at all? You mean you act out on sin and it's like no big deal? You argue with God? Whoa. Because for the believer, even before we act out on sin, the Spirit is going, no, don't go there. No, 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 don't do that. No, 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 don't say those words. Keep those to yourself. Long before, long before we ever take place or take part in the sin. You're going, you're going, oh yeah, but it's the 21st century and we live this way and it's okay now and all this other stuff. Then listen, 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 listen. Maybe the Spirit's not in you. Maybe, maybe you don't know Christ. This is the best place in the whole universe to figure that out. 
Because you can come to him. You can go. You can, at any point of this message, you can go to Jesus and say, here's the truth about me. There's no indicator. I want it to be, though. Would you change my heart? Would you change my life? Is there, is, is there any sense of the Spirit of God killing your sin? Is there any sense where the Spirit of God is going to war with the things that you do that are not of God. The first thing. So the first thing that the Spirit does, and the first way the Christian can tell that the Holy Spirit is living in them, that testimony that we talked about, first thing is that the Spirit, the Holy Spirit is, listen, the Holy Spirit is merciless with your sin. That means when the phone goes off, and you pick it up, and you see it's that one, oh my, you know the one I'm talking about, right? The one that you shouldn't be talking to, but you really want to, right? No, no, no. The Holy Spirit doesn't just say, press, listen, your, your flesh can say, no, I'm not going to answer that call. No, I'm not going to answer. You know what the Spirit does? The Spirit says, block him, unfriend her, um, cut them off electronically, completely, totally. If they try to pursue you in any other way, put a restraining order on them. Let me tell you what killing the Spirit is not. Remember every movie that you've ever seen? Every movie that you've, every romantic movie that you've ever seen where there's a chance where the, 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 the girl or the guy may cheat on their husband or their wife. And so what happens? They go to the hotel room and they're passionately kissing. And then at one point, the guy pushes, you know, if it's the guy who's the lead character or the girl who's the lead character, she grabs the person by the shoulder and she goes, No! It cannot be! And then, and then he goes, no, but baby, come on. And he goes, no. I love him. And I will not be with you. And then she runs out of the room. And you're like, oh, it's so beautiful. That's not killing the spirit. And I hope that's not my wife. <laughs> like that's, you know that if that's your wife or husband, that's not killing the spirit. Wouldn't you say that? That's giving into some stuff. Like, I'm glad you didn't go the whole way, but you're still going to have to find someone else to sleep tonight. Because I'm serious. That's a real difficult thing to absorb. Is that not true? Let me tell you what killing the spirit is. When the first flirt happens at work, you go, you think H&R? You think human resources like that statement that you just made to me? That's murder. That's ruthlessness with sin. When somebody offers you a drink, maybe the drink is your thing. When someone offers you the drink, you can say, you know, we can't hang out if this is what you're going to be offering me. That's ruthlessness with sin. That when, uh, when, when, when the temptation to work long hours so that you don't spend time with your family, you go, and your boss says, well, if you don't do any overtime, you can't be at this job. When you start going, oh, really? Okay. And you start writing out a new resume. I guess I can't be at this job. When the, when the question comes up to, to fudge at work and, and to compromise and to, and, and to fudge the numbers, I'm telling you, it, you go, no, 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 no. That's not, the Spirit's job is to kill, murder, assassinate, be ruthless with. It's kill and keep on killing. It's like, the, it's the difference between a boxer and an MMA fighter. Do you guys, are you guys familiar with those two sports? They're a little bit different, but they're kind of similar. They're combat sports. A boxer 
And this is what we do. This is a bad idea. This is not what the Bible is saying. As a boxer, the spirit goes, you know, we say, oh, oh, keep at bay, keep at bay. And then occasionally, boom, look at the guy go down. And the guy goes down. And what do we do? Go to a neutral corner and wait for him to get back up. We go, oh, okay. So we, you know, so what we did was we said, we're not going to buy. We threw away the haagen We're not going to buy it anymore. We, you know, it's no longer there. But and then we keep on going past that store where we always buy our haagen or whatever it is. Or we purchase cookies instead of ice cream. Or we, we, call him, we, we call him and hang up and rather than, you know, going all the way through with the call. Whatever your deal is, right? I don't know what your deal is. Your deal is your deal. My deal is my deal. But the, the spirit is not like a boxer. It doesn't like, boom, ooh, nice job. Look, on the floor, count to ten. No, 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 no. The spirit is like an MMA fighter. The spirit is like, boom, go on the floor. Woo-ha! Boom. It's going to pound that sin. It's going to crush sin. It's going to be ruthless in sin. There is absolutely no referee in the world that's going to stop the spirit from killing, murdering, assassinating your sin. But if that's not in you, <laughs> there's, cause, there's cause for concern. Because that's one of the, one of the uh, warning signals, one of the uh, things that help you know, oh, I'm in the Spirit, I'm in Christ. What's the second one? Well, it's found in the... So you get it, right? The Spirit kills. Is the Spirit killing your sin? If it's not killing your sin, I'm not saying if, that you're perfect, but I'm saying there's a war going on, and the Spirit is killing. Let's look at the... Not only does the spill Spirit kill, but the Spirit causes to cry. The Spirit kills and it causes to cry. Look at verse 14. For those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. Isn't that good news? Those who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. And we could spend days on that too. The Spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Aren't you glad? Rather, the Spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship. And by Him we cry, there's our word, Abba, Father. Now this is very interesting because here Paul is writing in Greek to Greek-speaking people. So why would he use an Aramaic word? Why use an Aramaic word if you're Greek and you're speaking to Greek people? This word Abba means Father in Aramaic. But it's actually more tender than that. What it is, is that this is um, like the first words that a, a child would say. Abba. Abba. Okay. So, it's kind of like this. When, um, and my wife laments this, right? Because we have five children. Every one of them said Papa before they said Mommy. Right? <laughs> Every one of them. Right? And she totally laments it, right? Because she's like, that's not fair. And I'm like, hey, listen, life's not fair. Let's just accept what, what is. Um, but every one of my five children, every one of them said, Papa, Papa. Because they're not really capable of, they're not really capable of complex uh, forms of words. It's that kind of. It's Papa. The Spirit puts a cry, a longing, a desperation in our souls. It says, Abba. Abba, Papa. 
He's the one that we go to. He's the one that we long for. He's the one that we cry out to. He's the one where our soul is stirred. The Spirit longs and puts a longing, stirs our affections for the Father in heaven. It says, Abba, Father. That's the second sign that you are in Christ. First is that the Spirit kills. Second is that the Spirit causes us to cry. I love this because it says here, um, the Spirit you receive does not make you slaves. Uh, um, the Spirit that you received does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the Spirit you received brought about by your, say that word with me, adoption. Say that word again. Adoption to sonship. Now, I have a son who I'm in presently uh, in the process of adopting. And we're close. It's been for, I guess, over two years that we've been in this process. And we're close. Now, ever since the very first word he could say, he calls me Papa or Papi. That's all he knows. Now, if you come alongside and say, no, but you don't understand. Your father is over there. Your biological father is over there. He would go, that's not Papa. That's Papa. It doesn't matter where you come from. It doesn't matter what you were involved in. It doesn't matter how you were conceived. What matters is that you're born again. And that when you're born again, you get a new Papa. One who loves you perfectly. And this Papa says... Not only call me Papa, but I'm going to be there for you perfectly and I'm going to put a longing and a desire in you. That in the difficult things of life, in the smooth things of life, in the celebrations of life, and in the broken moments of life, you're going to call Papa. It's a cry of the heart. The Spirit kills the misdeeds of the body. It causes a cry, it causes a cry in our hearts. And finally, we see in verse 16, through 17. The Spirit Himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. How does He do it? Now, if we are children, then we are heirs. Heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. I love this part. What Paul is trying to do is confirm over. We are heirs and co-heirs. Now, in the New Testament, the, rather than purchasers, because then that would put on us the responsibility to grow in Christ, the responsibility to go to Christ, the responsibility to stay in Christ. No, 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 no. In Christ, God has made us not purchasers, but heirs. Now, heirs are locked in. And so the Bible is not satisfied in saying we're heirs with God. It's saying we're heirs and we're co-heirs. Like, your inheritance is secure. This is huge because in the dark moments of life, when people die, when uh, when your health fails, when your mind is going, when your children stray, when friends abandon you, when family turns their back on you. This is ginormous because God is saying, listen, beloved, you have an inheritance and it's already yours. But I'm so poor, but you're wealthy. You're wealthy, you don't understand. But I feel so ugly, but you've, I've inherited to you beauty, a beauty that you can't possibly imagine. But I don't have a home to live in. Oh, but beloved, in Christ, there is a heavenly home being prepared for you as we speak.
speak. Oh, but I'm going to, I'm going to, you know, the diabetes is going to take my leg. No, but you don't understand. You're going to get a brand new body. I'm going to give you a brand new body. I'm going to inherit you a brand new body. You go, but I feel so lonely. But you don't understand. I live in you and I will never leave you and never forsake you. There is an inheritance that is found in Christ that we can rejoice over. So in essence, the Spirit's job is to make us look to Jesus. That's how it kills sin. You see, it's, the way it kills sin is not by making us look at sin and saying, I'm not going to do it, I'm not going to do it, I'm not going to do it. It's like, you know, have you ever done this? Have you ever tried not to think of an elephant? Just try not to think of an elephant. Right. So, so you, you can't do it, right? Because when you start trying not to think of an elephant, what do you do? You think of elephants, right? It's the same thing. So our job is not to go, oh, I, I'm not going to do this sin. I'm not going to do this sin. That's not it. The Spirit puts in us to look at Christ and go, oh, Christ, you're so beautiful. And the temptation comes, and you go, but Jesus, you satisfy me. He's not going to fulfill my loneliness. She's not going to fulfill my loneliness. Jesus, you fulfill my loneliness. That food is not going to satisfy me. Jesus, you satisfy me. Those clothes are not going to give me a better reputation. Jesus, my reputation is found in your finished work on 